0: What's happening, guys? Happy Friday, and thank you for joining another special episode of Your Welcome. Guys, it's UFC 284 Fight Week, and I don't know about the rest of you, but I'm very excited for this. Coming up on today's show, I'm going to tell you guys about the heat between Volkanovski and Islam. And I'm also gonna give you my official predictions for the main event, as well as the interim featherweight title fight that nobody cares about. Plus, I'm gonna explain why Jake Paul needs to man up. And I've also got some career advice for Hosmet Chamayo. I'll get to all that later. But first, let's begin here. Very good information. Very good information came right from Dana White that says this fight with Volkanovski and Islam will be, it's already trended where they're confident it'll be a top five of all time, but it could be number one. It could outdo McGregor fights. Make sure you understand on the one through 10 list, it's all McGregor. The biggest draw ever, the second biggest draw, the third biggest, I mean, you you understand that one through 10 are all Conor fights. Now, Why is nobody asked, how come? I mean, I haven't even seen that question out there. Dana White himself told Jim Rome how big these numbers were. Jim, I thought would have said, why do you think that is? Hey, Dana, I'm a fight fan. I don't know what the card is, and there's a rumor that Josh Evans and ear are on it. i would be honest. Hey, Dane, I'm a bit of a world traveler. I've never gone or ever wanted to go to Perth. Hey, Dane, as the biggest fight promoter in the world, you just went to the non-most-known fight city in history of Perth. So why do you think that this pay-per-view... He's trending to be bigger. It would seem like something you'd want to ask. Particularly when you instantly make the comparison to what it's going to have to beat out, which is Conor McGregor, which is a brash, fast-talking, handsome sunglasses-wearing, girls-flowing, limousine-driving, jumbo-jet-flying Irishman. Neither of these guys have that. As a matter of fact, I can't remember an interview that either one of us even done. As a matter of fact, Jim Rome should say, I was offered to have either one of those athletes on my show, and I don't know who they are. So I told your PR gal, no, but Dana himself can come on. That's why we're here. And you're telling me that? What about that? What about that would be a top five ever? Possibly a number one. Do you guys have the answer yet? You know you know how hard it is for me to do these things, by the way? I mean, do you understand what it's like to be the biggest brain in the room? I, mean, I, I would take every expert in this sport, all of you included. I, I would put you in a headlock, and then I would give you a noogie before I pulled your underwear up over your head, and gave you a brownie, because that's how I look at you. I, I look at you like doofuses, and it's hard for me. I don't enjoy condescending. But 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 it's hard for me to dumb myself down enough to have this conversation. So I'm trying. I don't use profanity. I don't have the red veins coming out. I mean, I'm, I'm doing a level good job, but it's hard. Deep breath and try this again. Do you. And if you're good at this, you're going to the comment section right now. You're hedging your bet as you continue to listen. So that in the spirit of sportsmanship, we see if you gave the answer. We see if you ever got there on your own. Why would a fight between Islam who's never made have been at anything and Volganovsky, who's never sold anything in the city of Perth with a non-supporting cast be in the discussion? For a record-breaking fight. Well, the only thing different about this fight is the way it was made, not the way it was promoted, not what was promised. We do that belt routine a number of times. Bring the guys out. We put them on a scale the day before. We, We do that a number of times. Have something called a scrum. Now, a scrum is a press event but it's a term that only a dickbag would use. He wants to, like, be in the... Do you guys even know what a scrum is? Don't ever say scrum. Don't be part of scrum. Don't ever find yourself saying scrum. Just word of the wise. But we do that for all of them. Why would this one? What is different? Well, it was the way it was made. It was the way it was made. It was organic. It was real. They did it. It was real. It was authentic. They agreed to all of the terms. They'd agreed when they were going to fight. They, they even agreed that it was going to be in Australia. They agreed it was going to be each other. We knew it would be for the world championship. You know, you both got, we kind of get that. But then they they threw in their head, hey, by the way, I, I'm the number one pound for pound. I'm going to put that up. I will not be number one pound for pound if you beat me. So I, I'm, going to, I'm going to bring that. I'm going to put on 10 pounds, and you, apparently you're a three to one, but I'm willing to walk out there and do it. Same as I've done 15 other times. There haven't been any men yet that could beat me. I put it all in the line against you. They did this in front of the world. What not rocket science. It's pretty simple. It's the only thing that is different about this fight and the other top 10 that are on the list. That's it. So when you find yourself in an opportunity like this, what do you do? And I know people believe, I know them right when I walk in the room. I know the guy that wants to be good business guy. I know the guy that wants to be perceived as good business guy. And then I know the good business guys the second we walk in the room. The good business guy, just so you understand which one he is, he finds something that works. Something where his returns exceed his expenditures, and he can find something known as a profit. That's all he does. But that he can repeat. Right? The guy that made a chocolate chip cookie one time, great job. It worked because he could then make it again, and again, and again, and he could repeat it. Very basic and simple. But there is nobody there that's going to crawl in that ring. There is nobody there that is going to face off. There is nobody there that has demanded the, 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 uh, in the batter's box. It's going to be at the weigh-ins. There is nobody there to be next. But that's the only thing that was there at the time that this fight was made and we're told is record-setting. That is the only denominator that is uncommon. So we're going to be on pay-per-view. We're told how great this is going to be. Now, guys always hear that wrong. I'm going to have a whole bunch of eyeballs on me. And therefore, my star will rise just because of that. That's just not how it works. But you will have an opportunity to convert them. And if you do go back to why this fight is so big, the one unique that you'll find, when they had the audience paying attention, they then took them and they made the ask. That's when you do it. Just like a politician on stage for a debate and he'll tell you to send a text to 888-407 and it's going to cost you $3.99 to contribute. If you're going to pitch in, that's when you're going to do it. If you're going to kick Tommy Fury off the boxing card, you do it at the press conference, not after. So these fighters that are going to have an opportunity have nothing. They have checkers. They have one night. They have checkers. Unless they have an ask to make before they fade to black and roll the credits. Islam talked about this fight was not promoted. He talked about that. It turned into a back and forth. But even if you want to come show me the billboards and the radio stations and the prints and the digital, if you want to give me all these highlights, you want to do all of those things, I'll show you those same things for 22 years of business. There is one thing that is unique about this. It was the way that it was set up. Nothing else. That was obvious. It was glaringly obvious. It worked. But nobody thought to copy it. Not just for this fight. We got Leon versus Kamara. That's around the corner. Nobody's doing it there. We got two heavyweights that suck. But Stipe would really like in on that action. He's even gone to Twitter to ask for Well, How about you show up at the arena? How about you just do what Volkanovsky did? It would seem to make sense. You copy everything else in this sport. Every move and every technique you've ever done, you copied from somebody else. Why wouldn't you copy that? And it's not just a courage thing. It's, it's not, it does, it does take courage to put yourself out there, for sure, because you have rejection. But that's not why no one copied it. That's why no one has a plan to copy it. You didn't copy it because you didn't identify it, and you didn't identify it because you don't pay attention. You don't pay attention because you don't care about your own sport. Okay guys, I got much more on UFC 284 in a moment, but I want to transition over to Michael Chandler, who I believe isn't getting enough credit for what he's doing right now. Alright guys, if you're going to enjoy something, you really do got to study it. That's what I encourage you to do, and that's what's different about me. I don't break news for you, I very seldomly have a guest on. But I'm very good at identifying things that perhaps you would miss and then explaining them. You guys like that about me, right? I'm shining my own wheels, but can we admit that's what I do different? There is not a question. I am the smartest guy in MMA. That's that's a fact. I think. I think we agree on that. But one of those things that you've got to observe is Michael Chandler, because what's he doing now, guys? What is different about Michael Chandler? Michael Chandler was always really good. Michael Chandler could always close out a show and he could always be the marquee and he could always be the main event and he was always going to be a threat for anybody and he was always going to be ranked top three in the world. All of those things are still true, but they were already true. What is he doing different now? Because Michael Chandler, while having beautiful placement on cards, was not a star. He was really good. And he was respected to the point of being feared by fellow competitors but he was not sought after by sponsors and promoters or even by you guys. He could walk down the street. He's not going to have to worry about a mob. None of those things are true now. He is absolutely a top five biggest star in the sport, the same sport that he's been in for years. As a matter of fact, one thing different when Chandler wasn't over with the audience was his record was a hell of a lot better. So how does a guy... With a few more years and a few more scratches, a few more losses and one hell of a career change. I mean, But are you paying attention to it? Because it's something beautiful. It really is. And Chandler walks a fine line of entertaining, confident with arrogance. It's a tough one. It's a real tough one. And he just barely falls on the correct side of it. I have watched him in interviews where he is a a split hair from losing everybody, but he never does it. He's having fun and it shows. That's the secret to Daniel Cormier. Some people will tell you Daniel Cormier is the greatest announcer in our sport. He might be. Some people will tell you that. How could that be? Is he using words that the rest of us don't use? Is he wearing an outfit that the rest of us don't wear? How could that be? Daniel Cormier's secret sauce is he shows you that he's having fun. And when the big scary bear has that little playful child inside of him, that's why you love Daniel Cormier. And Chandler had money he had opportunities, he had main events, he had belts and he had the scars, but he wasn't having the same amount of fun. He wasn't getting that same amount of attention and he wanted it. It's important that you know that. He didn't stumble into this. I've seen guys stumble. The Diaz brothers might be the greatest marketers in our in history of our sport. They might be, it was on accident. It was unintentional. Chandler's is not. Chandler wanted popularity. It's important that you know that. He has a goal, right? He has a goal. Boom. How am I going to get it? His fights were always exciting. So now he's just got to go out keep doing that. Stay with the same team. Stay with the same coaches. Stick with those same strategies. Take the hardest guys that you possibly can to get you the biggest placement and the most attention. And what happens after that, right? It's a two-man sport. I knew you wanted to hear from him. He knew something with the exposure that he has on this side of the tracks is also going to involve a microphone. And he showed up ready every single time. Now, Chandler did something so simple today. I just don't want you to miss it. He did something so simple today, which is he said that if he beats Conor McGregor, he will then have a title fight. He's not sure at what weight class, 170 or 155, but if you beat Connor, he will get a title fight. Why is that brilliant? Why is that even smart? Why does that even stand out? Doesn't it sound like a bunch of other pricks that did interviews today? Well, no, not so fast. And I'll, I'll tell you why it's different, because Connor can have a title shot right now. Michael Bisping touched on this. Connor McGregor could have a title shot right now. The fact that they didn't give him one, we for sure can throw on there. If Connor beats Chandler, he's fighting for a title. We can just for sure throw it on because he will be. So, but but now you see why it's important the Chandler does it. Nobody knows if they're getting a title fight, and nobody's in the position to say that they are. Nobody's getting millions of dollars and all these opportunities. Oh, and by the way, you get a title shot. It doesn't work that way. So he's come out and saying he's getting one. Why does it work? Because how are you going to give it to Connor? And we know Connor is. We know Connor could have the title shot right now. Leon doesn't pretend he want to give it to him at one seventy. Khabib has flat out said, please come and take on Islam, down 155. We know that he can get it. For whatever reason, he's chose to not. But it's a very clear statement of accuracy by Michael Bisping, which is win this one fight for the belt. So if that's going to be true, and it is, for your opponent, how could it possibly not be true for you? And you tell me because if he beats an aging Conor McGregor, he's 1-1 one one in his last two? Or he's 1-2 in his last three? However you want to word it, we've already proven that Conor will get it. Not a maybe. We'll, could have it right now. So whether we had a hard time accepting that or not, we still come to the final conclusion that it's so. Which means it has to be so for the opponent, or at least in the eyes of the media. And that's all he's looking to do. All Chandler's looking to do is be one of the guys that comes out and declares this is a number one contenders match. And the only guys he's going to have to compete with is another guy that has the same very simple idea but has the courage to come out and speak it. Which even though he's seven months away from being in the ring with Connor, there might be nobody that does it. There might be no one. And one way to add the validity to the Conor is to just put it on it ahead of time. It's always a harder thing to do to say this is a title opportunity for that guy. It's a semi-final for him, not for both of them, for him. It's always a hard thing to do. So one way to look as though you weren't giving Connor favoritism is to just do it ahead of time. Hey, that fight, ooh, that one right there, that's the one. Winner takes on Islam. Okay. And you see how things change, though. And you see that one simple thing. Chandler did a whole interview today, but he set that down. Took him eight syllables. Took him 2.4 seconds. One simple thing, but it changed the interview. It needed to be in there. And it can't be refuted because we know it's going to be true for his opponent. It's a very smart thing, but everything Chandler does, every time he goes... And he knows when to be big and tough. He knows when to be exciting. He knows when to be fierce. But he also knows when to show you guys that he's having fun. And it's very unique. When you go through life and you meet the great carnies, the true workers, the salesmen of salesmen, the promoters of promoters, when you meet that person, a con man. And don't forget what con man means. People like to say con man is like this big insult. It's short for confidence. You're confidence man. You're showing that you have confidence. Confidence is a good word. But the one thing that they'll all have in common, contrary to what your eyes and ears are telling you, is they don't have to make you believe that it's true. They have to make you believe that they believe that it's true. Two title fights, one epic night. Guys, I'm talking about UFC 284 this Saturday. Makulchev is fighting to keep his title and Volkanovski is hoping to make history as the first Australian to hold a title in two divisions at once. Join the MMA action with DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of UFC. New customers can bet just $5, and get $200 in bonus bets instantly. Maklachev versus Volkanovski. Guys, it's a three to one spread right now, favoring Maklachev. I must remind you, between the two, there's only one loss and it's on Maklachev. I like that action. And if excitement in the octagon isn't enough, you football fans, don't forget to join the big game action happening this Sunday at DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the app right now. Use the code CHAIL, new customers, bet $5 on UFC 284 and you will get $200 in bonus bets instantly. This Saturday at DraftKings Sportsbook with the code CHAIL, minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Volkanovski and Islam both weighed in on the announcement of McGregor versus Chandler, not only for Ultimate Fighter, but go on and have a contest between them. Now, I gotta jump in on this. I have a big problem, and I have always had a big problem, with Connor and Chandler fighting at 170, because it feels lazy to me. And not only does it feel lazy, I'm quite sure that I'm right. Would you like to work hard and go at 155? Would you like to work hard but not as hard and go at 170? It's kind of a straightforward question. And I also thought it was a mistake for Connor to say 170. Only in this regard. Okay, he's bigger than he's ever been. We understand that. So why would he want to go all the way down? But what he's missing, I'm talking about McGregor, is he's not doing two-a-days. He's not in training camp. He's not going to be that big for long. It's going to come back down. And a lot of times, making weight is a byproduct. I mean, do you know how hard the fight between Chad Mendes and Conor McGregor was? Because I don't think that you do. I've never heard anybody talk about it. I've had to hear a lot about those front kicks. That's not won the fight. What won the fight is when Chad took Conor down in the center of that ring and Conor got up three times. That's what won the fight. But do you know how hard you have to work to get away from Chad Mendes? NCAA finalist. you have any idea how hard you have to work to not be taken down by Money Mendez over and over? And Connor did. He did. And one of the reasons he could dig that deep and he could push so hard, even though he didn't get credit for it, is he had to cut all that weight and got him in shape. He was one of those guys, those extra runs, those extra bikes. Some of that nutrition, the extra rest, that actually served him. A byproduct of that was he was in fantastic shape. So I I only argue for it that I don't love the idea that they're going to go 70 because I think it's lazy, and Dana came out and said they're not. So I don't know where that turns at. Dana came out yesterday and said that is a false report. They are not going 170. They are going 155. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. I've done three pieces on this since it was announced on Saturday. Right? I'm heading to Bellator when I get this announcement. I'm in the car and I bring you guys a video. I've done two since then. And every one of them, I had to talk about the weight. And Dana had to come out and do a press conference. He's got a world title fight, two of them, in fact, this weekend. And he's talking about the ultimate fighter, a non-title, non-number-one contender match that doesn't even have a date or a venue or an on sale. That's how important it is. That, it's that important that Dana had to use that time to clarify to make sure you knew that it was 155. I like that. It's It matters it really does matter so now that we know it's 55 we have the potential 55 pound champions speaking in on what they think of that and like the suckers that they are they of course will fight conor now islam guys is a heel islam has the potential to be a heel now, that's only because he's got attitude and an incredible sense of humor. He will be smiling as he's putting you down, but he'll put you down nonetheless. And it's very hard to find guys from that region that want to do that. It's not the same argument I make for the bullet. Like, I, I think the bullet, contrary to what I think, she might have some character issues. I don't think she's who you think she is. And I think she'd just come out and reveal it to the world like John Jones had to do when he finally started selling some t-shirts. This is a little bit different. Makulchev has a very playful sense of humor and he also sees the advantages to it. And he's not into walking around and bowing and patting you on the back and doing this stuff. He's just not. So there's something authentic about it. He said, if Chandler gets beat, it'll probably be his last fight. He's going to make a bunch of money, and the UFC's got to release him at some point for losing all the fights that he does. Okay, that, that is a scathing and nasty, nasty line. He then comes in and talks about Conor McGregor, both ways of it. If Conor wins, he's done. He can't beat anybody. If he finds the one guy he can beat, he's done. He's got to walk away. If he loses, of course he's done. Can't pay a guy this much money who had not won a fight in six years. He was straightforward, but it was scathing. Oh, it was terrible. He put these guys down. It was terrible. It was beautiful. Now, he never once said that he'd be there to fight him because it was a big money day. Oh, I need a whole bunch of money. He never did any of that. Volk did. Volk fell for it. The problem with Volk and what he said, Volk said that he'll be there to welcome Connor back. The, The problem with what Volk did is he said, I'll be there to welcome Connor back. Now, there'd be no problem, it wouldn't be tantalizing, it wouldn't be doing some great numbers or something, there just wouldn't be a problem. There'd be no problem if he said, I'll fight the winner. The hedge of the bet, right, is to take on the winner, not the money fight. So that's what you hedge, I will take on the winner, I will defend against the winner. Now you've got it, right? You guys ever see politicians run for office and they'll come out and they'll tell you and they got to convince you as well. You haven't voted for him for president unless he has convinced you. Not just said it, they all say it. they got to convince you. It's not for the power. This is not about me. I am one of you and I'm doing this for you. There's not a word of that that has ever been true. All the way back to the reluctant leader, George Washington. But they got to convince you that it is. There is nobody that's looking to fight Conor McGregor except that wants a payday and some attention and have some fun. Okay, great. For whatever reason, that just doesn't draw. That just doesn't sell. So you've got to hide it behind something else, which is where I will take on the winner. Whoever comes out of that would have been a better answer for you. Now, I really want somebody to get a hold of Islam. You know, Daniel Cormier has got a little bit of that in him. Right? I, I couldn't call Daniel a heel, but he's got a little bit of that in him. And even if it's playful, but it's insults, it's still insults. Right, It's still a very different approach than we've seen for a lot of the community that is tuning to see Islam fight. I think it would work. I think they're ready for it. I think they would love it. I know that I do. I know the most interesting thing that Islam has done is put a smirk as he looks at Volkanovsky. I mean, he is so dismissing. He is so condescending towards Volkanovsky, the number one ranked guy in the world who's never lost. There is an arrogance that is palpable and it's gross. And aside from that smirk he puts on his face, he told him he was short. I can't remember the short joke. Do you guys can see the language was bad? But he called him short. I, th- I think he looked around. I think Volk was standing in front of him and Islam looked. So where did he go? Oh, he's so short. Right. Was, it was gold. It was brilliant. No one laughed. No one supported it. He's not doing more You got to get him over there. You got to get him over there. He wants to do it. He needs that level of encouragement. If you're Volkanovsky and you want Conor because you want the money, you got to hide it. And the way to hide it is to just say, whoever wins, I will compete with. So as you know, my favorite question to ask guys is, "Where does Kevin Lee fit in all of this?" And you know what? I've got an idea for Kevin as it pertains to some of the things I've been discussing on today's show. Where does Kevin Lee fit into this? Now, I have a lot of thoughts on this. I really do. I and I got I got to just go back down memory lane real fast, cause I didn't like what happened, and now I get to be happy. Right? I mean, I feel like, things were fixed here. But I got to back you up to Kevin Lee, not before his last fight in the UFC. To the one before that. He gets hurt. Now, some things that you guys don't know about Kevin. He's a great guy to work with. That is huge. And that is not a piece that you can associate to all 700 guys under contract. They don't all answer their phone. They don't all have a response. Yes or no, but to let you know so you can go move on to the next thing in your day. Kevin will get a hold of you. Kevin will fight anybody. And when Kevin was hurt, when he had the knee injury, when he was rehabbing that, there was a match that came up with an extremely unknown athlete. The locker rooms knew him because they were avoiding him. They were watching him. They could feel his presence, but you guys didn't know who or what or in a weight class or you didn't know anything about him. And the guy's name was Islam Makhlchev. And Kevin Lee, right, I'll give you some inside scoop here, but he went to Sean and Mick and he said, I will fight him more over than that. I'll do it in Russia. And if you get your calendar out, that's when UFC, they went. They made that splash over there. I don't think they've been back. I think they're Russian presence. I I think we've only done is it two events there? But it was for one of those. So Kevin is going to go do a really hard fight. He's going to travel to do it. He's going to give the guy every advantage. This is a guy that nobody will even fight. Nobody will even fight the guy. Kevin's going to do it. Okay, he's got a bad name. So when they find out about the knee, now he knew about the knee and he even disclosed, I'll do it with with the bad knee and then I'll come out and then I'll do my surgery. Wait, time out. Let's not do the Islam fight. Go get that knee fixed. He does. A year goes by. In that year, on a personal note, Kevin had a hard time in a relationship. Okay, the relationship breaks up. That's hard. That's hard for anybody. He's got to get the knee better. Oh, by the way, he changes weight classes. So there is nothing about Kevin Lee going into what is now his last UFC fight. There is nothing about this. Who was it, guys? It was like Danny Rodriguez. I mean, it was it was one of these the hardest fights you could do. It was a guy that was very unknown. He had a 12 and two record and turned out to be a straight up badass. But at the time they fought, he was an unknown commodity. So they got there and fight. It's 15 really hard minutes. Your first time in a weight class, coming off a knee injury, dealing with break. Like, like there's nothing about this. It's going to be a great night. But it was still honorable. He got beat. And he walked out of there like a man. And we're going to chalk that up to dusting off a little of the ring rust and introduce yourself to a new weight class. Right? Wrong. They cut him. They cut him. Now, like anything, there's a little bit more to it. I'm well aware that I'm glossing over, but my fact pattern of events is exactly the way that this went down. So Kevin ends up in Eagle FC. Goes over there, has a fight uh, with Diego Sanchez, and now he's back on the shelf. What am I going to do? Well, the things that I glossed over, a couple of the elements that added to our uh, decision here, went away. Kevin gets brought back in. He's working with Ali Abdelaziz, the single greatest manager in the history of this business. He's back in the UC, He's going to do it at 170. So when it does come down to where does Kevin Lee fit in all this, timeout. I'm speaking out of turn saying it's going to be at 170. I assume it is. It should be, and I hope that it is. But I, I should clarify for you that I don't actually know that. Now, Kevin has a couple of people who are influential in his decision-making. And my partner, Ryan, is one of those people. And Ryan makes a suggestion to me, Mosvital. Kevin Lee versus Mosvital. Now, first off, I just don't think that that's the match that's going to get made when Kevin's coming back. I just don't think he's going to walk into something like that. But secondly, and far moreover, his Masvidal is booked with burns. Now, I could very much get behind the idea of winner and Kevin Lee, but I don't know if anybody else could. Kevin's coming off a loss. He's been gone. Those guys get shined up. They want to go. I'm looking for an X's and O's. That would be a really good fight. I don't think that that's the direction they're going to go, but I do have just as lofty of goals for Kevin, and possibly my head is in the clouds. Because I would like to see... Kevin draw into the winner of McGregor and Chandler. Go ahead. Go ahead and roast me. I would like to see that. And there's there's one other fight that I'd really like to see, but I, I do I do admit from my math and my deduction, it's as though your your good deed gets you a reward of Kevin Lee. That's how I see it though. But but I admit. Coming off a loss, and it's probably not going to be perceived that way. But I think there is something really great out there for him. This is where he belongs. He belongs back. He's got to get a real focus, right? He's got to get a real focus on what am I doing? And I don't know what the last couple of years has been like for that. I could only imagine it's difficult. You're nursing an injury. Now you're nursing unemployment. Okay, great. You're going to go over to this other organization. Okay, well, great. Is this other organization still going to do events? And if so, do they include me? And that's before you get into the personal things that have been revealed and his competitive grappling, where he doesn't even know which sport to fully focus on. So th- this is good news. This is really good news. But one thing that the UFC missed, and perhaps the number one reason I'm coming to you guys right now, the one thing that the UFC missed is just how many fans Kevin Lee has. So if that, if that starts over here, it's time for us to be heard this is not an undercard guy we don't need to bring in he's been out a while let's find somebody else that's been out for it it's not like that This is a former title challenger who's a rough night out for anybody and has been for the last six years where does kevin lee fit in all this let's find him a fight guys i'm so thankful for our next partner athletic greens Not only have they sponsored this episode, but they've also helped me make life easier. I started taking Athletic Greens 1 in 2020 and I haven't stopped. I needed something that I could take to cover all my vitamins, supplements, and gut health, but I hate taking pills. It's annoying and time-consuming to take a bunch of different pills, patterns, and tablets with AG1. I don't have to do that, but I get all my nutrients in. AG1 is so much more than a greens powder, it's all your key health products in one. I just mix one small scoop of AG1 with water, down it and I'm done. AG1 is also great for recovery. I usually take mine before I work out or even after when I need a boost during the day. I can get a nice mental and physical boost without experiencing a caffeine crash later in the day. It also costs less than $3 a day. Pretty good if you ask me. If a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, then Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com slash That's athleticgreens.com slash Check it out. Try it free for 30 days, they say. You know, guys, that's just enough time to try it and completely forget about the subscription or the service before you know it. You're paying for a subscription you don't use every single month with Rocket Money. You can change that with a few quick taps. Rocket Money, formerly known as Truebill, is a personal finance app that finds and cancels unwanted subscription, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills. Guys, it does it all in one place. Over 80% of people have subscriptions they forgot about, like that streaming service you bought to watch just one show on, and that free trial that you never even used. Rocket Money makes canceling subscriptions as easy as a click of a button. Simply find the subscription you don't want and press cancel. Rocket Money will do all the legwork and they'll make sure it's canceled for you. No more long hold times with customer service or awkward conversations with a representative trying to talk you into keeping the service. Just one click and you're done. I hate when I look through my bank statement and I see a subscription I've been paying for that I never even use. I just found a yearly subscription I've been paying for and haven't used it since 2020 and I know you guys can relate. There are over three million people who have used Rocket Money, including me, saving the average person up to $720 a year. Stop throwing your money away. Cancel unwanted subscriptions. And manage your expenses the easy way by going to rocketmoney.com slash That's rocketmoney.com slash chale. rocketmoney.com slash All right, guys. I'm on Chemayev's, uh Instagram page. And he's got a split screen going. See if I can turn this around for you guys. But you can certainly check it out yourself. He's just got a split screen going. Let's get a good look at that? Robert Whitaker on one side. Jemaya on one side. Now, they both got on no shirts. They both got on some shorts. They both got on gloves. I mean, it looks pretty close, right? Shemayev writes at the bottom. Good guy versus bad guy. Nothing but respect. Okay. I don't think I need a big brother, Chemayev, because I don't think that was Chemayev. I don't think Chemaev would put a spl- split screen of him and opponent with their shirts off. I don't think Chimaev would say one guy's a good guy, one guy's a bad guy, without clarifying who was who. And if we're assuming that he's the bad guy, which we are, why do you say nothing but respect? Why is it going to be about respect? Sounds like it's about an ass whooping. Sounds like it's about taking an opportunity from somebody who's got a dream about making sure all the hard work and sacrifices and couches that they slept on to get to where they're at were all for nothing because you're going to take the title opportunity. It doesn't sound nice to me. And I'm, I'm just a little confused, but that's why I don't think Chimaev did it. I think Chimaev is a good bad guy. I think he plays that well. That's weird. Whoever did that, that's weird. If you want to be the bad guy, come out and be the bad guy. What's it got to do with respect? What part about that is respect? Are you an 85 pounder? I mean, we, ha- we have to begin with that. Shemayev made a comment about Robert Whitaker and it was very nice. It was at a press conference and he even said, I would like to train with him. Whitaker was asked about it and said, I'd take him up on that. I would like to train with him too. Okay, great. That's fine. That's terrible, that's gagged me with a smurf, but that's fine. You can do some of those sometimes, but don't ever bring those two fighting again, up, ever. Oh, by the way, at the same time that that happened, two days before, there was an organic clearing of the bench, if you will, between Chimaev and Paulo Costa. So if Chimaev is going to go to 185, it's with Paulo Costa. Do we all understand and agree on that? And if it's not with Paulo Costa, why not? Because, see, that's where the problem is. Why not? What about him? He's got that beautiful ranking. Is that the weight class? You've got a face to face. Looked like you were going to get into it at the PI. I mean, what what difference would it make? Why wouldn't it be him? And that's where the problem. I'm not suggesting Shemaya is scared of Paulo Costa. That's not what I saw in the video when they confronted each other. I'm just sharing for you. It will give the perception. How are you coming into a weight class, and you're not going to do it with the guy? I don't. That, that that's tough. So if we're going to get around that, and maybe we do, maybe it's a real simple. Hey, Chael, maybe you don't follow the news, and Paulo Costa is never contract. Okay, great. Say that. Clear that up for me. Why are we dealing with with Whitaker? And if it's about respect, like you said, I'm out. I'm out. So what are we doing here? Who's, who's on the Instagram? Who so badly thought they needed to get Chemaev a like that they took professional photos of him side by side with Whitaker? With their shirts off. I mean, right, these guys, this is not. There's websites you can go to. for. I'm just sharing with you. From Jump Street. And then why was he the bad guy? He's got a little smirk on his face and he's holding like a two up. I don't know what that means. Or was a two and a zero? Is that 20 or is that 0-2 and I'm looking at wrong? Or does that have nothing to do with anything and it's a gang sign? I don't know. But that's the only thing that he's doing different. So I have to assume that he's the bad guy. But then he said respect. Why, why is it about respect? Something happened here. Somebody brought up Whitaker. You invited him to train. He said he was going to. But then he didn't come train. And now he's looking to fight you. And Robert Whitaker is one win away from being a world championship fight as long as Israel Adesanya is not the champion. So if you're looking to come in, right, you're floating in on a six and you're going to take everything from this man, just call it what it is. But it ain't respectful. It's not nice. But I don't need to tell you that, Shemaev. Because you're not the one that posted that crap. As you heard me say on last week's show, I'm not fully convinced this fight between Jake Paul and Will Fury is going to happen. And guys, I'm feeling more confident in that statement with each passing day. All right, guys, so I just wrapped with Errol Hawani live doing Ariel's program. Great honor. Right, it's a great one. Errol, Errol uh, I think, tried to embarrass me at one point. He said, you you say my name a lot. You drop me a lot. I, yes, I do. I think that he's a, a leading authority, but I also think he's interesting, right? Errol not only brings you the news, he brings you an opinion. Double threat. I only bring you an opinion. Other guys only bring you the news. Ariel, great entertainer. When I came on, the previous guest was Platinum Mike Perry, and Errol was rapping with him. Meaning, finishing up, then he's going to do what's called a toss over to me. Okay. TV talk here for you, but I only got a minute. I only got a minute of what Perry was saying. So Ariel ties it in for me, and the reason I had missed the Perry interview is I was watching the press conference. Will Fleury, Jake Paul, okay? This is the second press conference. The first one, Fury did show up to, but not alone. And he didn't show up in person. He brought his dad and his brother with him. I thought that was a surprise. From an entertainment standpoint, I thought it was a real treat. Old Man Fury is the leader of as entertaining as Tyson is. The old man's on top. I thought it was a treat, but it did mean something to me. Wait a minute, he didn't come in person. And then two, he couldn't, he wasn't confident enough on the stick that he could stand his own ground. He had to bring not one, but two family. It just kind of stood out. That's all. Small observation, but I remember making it. And a month later, When he doesn't get on the airplane to come to New York, York, they have to refund a million-dollar gate. It's a big deal. And Fury never should have been put in that position to do this to Paul again. Now, I must admit for you, I don't know all of the intricacies of this fight. And the fact that they're going to the Middle East tells me for sure Paul is not having to bankroll this whole thing. Because I do believe if MVP was having to bankroll the whole thing, they would, of course, learn from the mistake that had just happened and not do it again. But when you have the addition, possibly the only partner, but at least one of the partners, right? At, at a maximum, Paul got a little bit, little piece of this. But I bring that to you because they do the press conference today and Will Flurry doesn't show up again. And don't forget, guys, this fight is three weeks away. One of the cool things about the announcement of this fight is we didn't have to wait. Jake announced it five weeks before they were going to be in there. I wish all fight promotions went that way. I wish they shortened it to three. But it was great, and it was a treat. But now that we're at this press conference, it's not as though there's time. The kid's either training and has his eye and focus on making the agreed-upon wait, or he doesn't. Simple as that. $2 million are at stake, Okay. I know the kid comes from money, but he doesn't have it. This is life-changing money. Two million dollars. You split that with Uncle Sugar, you still walk with seven. You walk with seven figures. You get a rudimentary understanding of Coinbase and Robinhood, and it'll be enough time to last for your life. It'll be enough money to last for your lifetime. You'll have people that tell you a million's not enough. They're wrong. Maybe they don't know what to do with that million, but they're wrong. A million is enough. You got to have it, though. Not a million, you end up with half. He walks $1 million. I share that because he's not sold that he's going to show up. And when you're in this business, okay, other promoters haven't had the same experience as Dana White. They just haven't had it. But they also don't understand. Dana White is a boss. If you ever question that, You will find out the hard way. If you don't ever question that, everything will move along. But that's what the boss has to do. And there's a reason people don't F with him. Because he's the boss. Period. It's why Vince McMahon and WWE beat Eric Bischoff and WCW. That one reason. Eric was one of the guys. Vince was a boss. And I I bring that to you because the experience that Jake Paul has had at this short part of his short career as a promoter has been terrible. Like, you could go out and get consultants. You could work with some really good guys. You could get Don King on the phone, right? Don couldn't tell him how to handle these situations because Don never found himself in them. In decades, he never found himself. Jake Paul has found himself as a promoter in some extremely unique positions that would have made anybody else close up the checkbook and just walk away. But he's pushing through. Jake, if he can learn one thing from Dana, it's to make sure that everybody knows who's in charge. And we can do this the nice way or the other way, but you will find out and everybody else will see it. Jake is apparently a guy you don't have to show up to a press conference for, he's apparently a guy that you can do a contract with and not follow through. Ramen walked. All over him is what Terrible stuff. These guys, it's terrible what they did to them. But what I'm sharing for you is at some point, if you don't make it clear who the boss is, you're going to have long-term problems. And when they're at the press conference, try to picture that. And Fury doesn't show up, okay? Wherever they were, he either got on the plane or he didn't. Where, whatever town they were in, I don't know if this was in the East or they did it. I don't actually know. Wherever they were, he either checked into the hotel the night before or he didn't. So you're going to have info. You're going to have a pretty good idea that he's coming or he's not. So when you get there, right then is where they should have cut him. Right there. When the world's watching, not now. Don't come out and do it now. The press conference is over. Right now, where everybody's watching, that's where you announce, don't come. We're changing your ticket to canceled. The purse at forget it. Forget it. And they should have brought Mike Perry in. Who's ready? who wants to do it, by the way, and who will show up. Isn't that sad that the guy that wants it and who will show up, isn't it sad that he loses out to the other guy? I mean, it's one of those terrible things. You hear life isn't fair. Try imagine being in Perry's shoes right now. You want to do something. You're actually a fighter. You're entertaining, interesting social media character yourself. You would deserve. But you, you see we're deserve and fair. Don't come into this. But right there was where Jake needed to make very clear to the world, I'm in charge. I am going to call the secretary to cancel your tickets in three weeks. So don't bother. I'm going to cancel your father and whoever else your corner man was. There will be no purse. Your, your trainers are going to know today all the time they put into you is for nothing because there's 10% of nothing coming their way. He should have made his stand right there. He should have bought Perry. should have showed that he was organized. Most fights... If you lose your main event, you've lost the event. Jake was organized. He was ready for it. And he had a massive opportunity to show the world, I am more organized, I am more prepared, and I am a decision maker. Should have showed him that he was the boss. And the fact that he didn't X him right there at the press conference leads to my original premise, that, eh, I don't know how much MVP is doing here. I know that the Middle East would have a big hand or they wouldn't be I, I know, But do they have all of a hand? I mean, do they have all of the hand? Is there a reason why Jake couldn't make that announcement? Is there a reason he had to check with somebody? Fury didn't show to the fight. He didn't show to your first press conference. He didn't show to this press conference. Any logical person would say, well, then he's not going to show to the fight. That doesn't mean that he won't. It's a very illogical business, but a logical person would come to that conclusion. A logical person apparently wasn't at the press conference because this announcement wasn't made. And as of right now, Mike Perry is still on the sidelines. All right, guys, I want to close out today's show with my official predictions for UFC 284, a card which I believe features one of the best main events in the sport's history. Official prediction, guys, and I kind of like to call it breakdown. More than even prediction, I will give you one. but kind of like to call it a breakdown. Because Josh Emmett versus Rodriguez is very, very interesting. I realize that they haven't told anybody they're fighting. I realize that. I, I realize that that Josh and your ear have botched this championship fight more than Surreal Gon and Francis Ngannou. They have botched this fight more than Robert Whittaker botched his rematch with Adesanya. I can't blame both of them. Adesanya was willing to do this. Whittaker took the night off. These guys make Whittaker look like a tactical hard worker in the strategies of fight promotion. They have done nothing. They have told nobody that they're fighting, but I bring that to you because that match is awesome. And Josh Emmett is a problem in this regard. All right. N- nobody in life gets everything. Everything's a trade. If you want to be a big, muscular guy, and you go out and you get that power, you're not going to have great endurance. If you want to be a marathon guy and great endurance, you're not going to have the big, beautiful muscles. It's a trade. That's just one simple example, but we understand that. When you have in fighting an explosive powerhouse like Josh Emmett, the good news is he will fade every time. Just a simple example, but one that you know if you look at Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson, known as the greatest knockout artist ever, is not known for winning decisions. Just as an example. Josh Emmett breaks the rule. Josh Emmett is Jordan Burroughs-esque in that he is so powerful, he is so strong, he will shut your lights off. But the bad news is just as hard as he's hitting you in the first minute, he'll hit you in the 15th minute. He'll hit you just as hard in the 21st minute. Guys like that don't exist. They just don't. And I had to go to Jordan Burroughs, one of the great athletes ever born, to find a comparison. It's very rare. It is the most intimidating thing about Josh. If you're in your rear spot or any other opponent came before him, you know you got to fight this guy. It's not just highlight reels, It's not just ranking. It's not just what he's done, things he said. It's his ability to hold up through the course of the evening. No matter what power he's put out before that, no matter how many shots you've given him, no matter how bad you've hurt him, he's still there. Very intimidating thing to have to deal with. Now, good news on Josh, you know what he's going to do. Yeah, that first couple of minutes, there'll be a little mix-up and a little diversity. By the third round, should it see the fourth round, he's going to hit you with the left, he's going to hit you with the right. Sometimes they're going to go to the head, sometimes they're go to the body, right? I mean, he's not this tricky guy. He's not what he's facing. Yuri Rodriguez would go down as the most dynamic guy that I've ever seen. And I watched all of Demetrius Johnson's fight. I have Demetrius at number two. In terms of sheer creativity and what he's going to go and do, and the video game-esque techniques that he's going to do, that are going to stump the announce team from telling the audience because the announce team has never seen it before. I put Yair Rodriguez at number one. Rio Rodriguez is making his run. What did he go? Guys, did he come through the ultimate fighter? Is that how he got exposed? But he was real young. And when he was coming through his run, Gilbert Melendez was a contender. Top guy in the world. And Gilbert just shared with me. It was real brief and it was in passing. But there was definitely a possibility that these two are going to cross paths. And Gilbert just shared with me how impressed he was with all the different tools that Uriah Rodriguez had. But I, re- I remember, I remember where we were in Bristol, Connecticut. It was a very interesting comment about a guy that was young and skinny and scrawny and unknown, By a guy who'd been there, done that, and was still holding the top three spot. It was a very interesting comment. And that's before fast forward the tape, Uriah Rodriguez. Remember that fight with the zombie when he ducks down and lifts an elbow and knocks him out at four minutes and 59 seconds? I mean, it's truly unbelievable. One thing about Rodriguez, you want to talk about how good Rodriguez is? They screwed him in his last fight. You, you guys, and he let you do it. Javier Rodriguez attempts a submission on the arm of Brian Ortega. When that position ended, not a sequence later, not a round later, The moment, simultaneous, with that position coming to an end, the arm of his opponent is now damaged to the point that he can't continue. That's a submission. All day. The referee did not step in and call this off. The corner did not step in and call this off. Yet it was called off. So who did it? Well, Ortega did. That's a verbal submission. Rules could not be clear. There was nothing here that Ray Charles couldn't see. But that's not the way the story is told. That's not the way the sports books paid it out. They refused to accept that the dynamic striker could submit the black belt at all, let alone submit him with a basic arm bar, let alone submit him with a basic arm bar in the very first round. They refused to accept it to the point that they whitewashed it. But I'm sharing for you that it happened. So as you're trying to break this fight down, just just please don't come to me with only the dynamic striking of Rodriguez versus the powerful, straightforward, workman-style approach of Emmett. Please don't do that. Emmett will take you to the ground. Excellent wrestling. But Rodriguez will attack you once you get there. I mean, this is a, this is a super interesting match. I mean, it really is. With two absolute studs, for sure. They suck at promotion to an extent that a rhetorical master like myself can't even begin to explain. And I gotta give them a whack for that. To outdo what Whitaker did in Adesanya Part 2 or to outdo Surreal and Francis, it's rare. But Emmett and Rodriguez have done it. In spite of that, it's a great match. I do predict Emmett. It's gonna go back and forth. It's going to be a problem, but ultimately the deciding factor is going to be what I'm alluding to with the power later. And I could even live without the powder. It's the later that's the problem. You start to get into championship rounds, Emmett's gonna still be after you. Between rounds one, two, and three, Emmett needs to grab one of them. He will secure four and five. And that is my prediction. My official prediction, Volkanovski versus Islam Makhachev. Well, Islam's going to win the fight. I mean, I, I do understand that. But I have been beyond irritated with the refusal that Islam's going to have to work hard. an almost refusal... That this thing going all five rounds is your most realistic scenario. The idea that when Islam gets on top, he is going to pass, he's going to, pick, I mean, he's going to pull an arm up and he's, he's going to take it home. He's so big, he's so strong, he can really injure this guy, Volkanovsky. Like that, that part just irritates me. Unless you want to apply and associate some blame, then I'll start listening who do we blame here? Did the promoter get it wrong? If a promoter is doing a main event title fight and it's not competitive, I mean, that's boxing right there. That's boxing where you bring in Mike Tyson and put him with a bar guy. Crush him on pay-per-view and tell the world how great this guy. That's best boxing. That's Vince McMahon. We don't do that in MMA. So are you blaming the promoter? Did the promoter irresponsibly Take a guy who cannot adequately defend himself and put him in a title fight on pay-per-view. If you're doing that, I'll listen. Now, the promoter did okay. He took another world champion, against a world champion, a guy that's ranked higher. The promoter did this right. Everything's responsible here. Okay. Is there a time in history where the number one guy in the world, the number one ranked athlete in the world, could change weight classes by one? Go up or go down. And be perceived that he could not be competitive. Has there been a time in history? B.J. Penn was ranked number one. And then he did that. And he won the belt there, too. George St. Pierre was ranked number one. And he did that. And he won the belt there, too. John Jones was ranked number one. And he's left and he's still pursuing that, but he is currently the favorite and predicted to go win the belt there too. But that's not even the conversation we're having. You're saying that Volganovsky can't even compete. Okay, great. So did you associate blame to the promoter? He never should have made this. He made a mismatch. You didn't do that. Okay, great. So then are you associating blame to the rankings committee? The rankings committee has Volkanovsky ahead of Islam by four spots. Do they not know what they're doing? Should they be removed? I don't even know how you have a guy ahead by four spots when you have a line by DraftKings at 3-1 to favoring the other guy. Your rankings committee and your line setter at DraftKings are in direct contradiction. So which one of them is wrong? And you see where it's hard to blame DraftKings? Because if they got it wrong, you go take their money. right? Like Their they're, they're punishment for getting it wrong is they're going to have to fork over a whole bunch of money. What happens to these guys? Nothing. They're going to be there at 9 a.m. on Tuesday morning giving us more rankings. Changing and influencing history and in guys' careers. Nothing's going to happen to them. So do you want to associate blame? Was it the promoter's fight? He made an irresponsible match. You said no. Did DraftKings screw up giving you three to one? Because if they did take their money, that's a punishment. Can we all agree? Mm, yeah. It's what every civil lawsuit in the world is based on. Okay, great. So we got to remove them, which leaves us with the rankings committee. Should they resign? Because it's their job to know. They are experts in this space, right? I mean, it is their absolute responsibility that they know. And on day one, We had a line by DraftKings that disagreed with them threefold. So we have guys who it's not their job to know. Getting it right over the people that are hired to do this. Is that where you're associating the blame? Ten pounds is the same thing. I I can say that until I'm blue in the face. But you've never heard a fighter breaking this down. That's a literal statement. You've heard men and women and retired fighters and competitive ones, but you've never heard a fighter breaking this down that told you anything about the size discrepancy. 155 and 145. If you're a wimp, you can bring up. But everybody else understands that's the same thing. Because I keep hearing about the size and the strength of Islam. They're going to weigh the same thing. 24 hours before this fight. But the strength of Islam, he's going to grab that arm, he's going to take it home. We've always talked about the size of Volkanovski. We've always talked about that he was a rugby player, at 96 kilograms. We've even taken the time to convert 96 kilograms, 211.4 pounds for you. But for some reason, being 96 kilograms and 211.4 pounds isn't enough to compete 50 pounds less and it's just part of the story that I will tell you aggravates me. The question of how does Volk win, because I'd love to pit Volk. I really would love to pit Volk. But I'm sitting here telling you things about history. I'm telling you about a number one guy leaving a division. Where in history has this happened? Where can a rankings committee hired to do their job that actually does influence history? A guy's greatly influenced, how can they stay there and be in contradiction with DraftKings? How? How can he have no chance? How can he have no shot? We're interim in the belt. We're not a dispute of the belt because we're quite sure daddy's coming home because he's not going to get this job done. How can all of these things live? How can I make those arguments and not give Volk a shot? Well, because history does matter. And you're not going to find a time when a great Dagestani wrestler took on a guy who never had a wrestling match and came from a country that doesn't contest it. You're stuck there. Stuck, big time. So if that is going to be the difference in getting on top, what's he going to do when he gets there? Do I think he can blow past the guard? Do I think Volk can't hold him down? Do I think he can take his back? I don't know. I don't know how much I think that. I think Volk can protect himself. I think he can. I think he is hard to get down. When you're dealing with Khabib's team, you don't have to stop the takedown. That's what a very rudimentary approach would be. You just have to keep your back off the fence. That's all you have to do. They're not great with takedowns like you think. They're great at takedowns. When you're up against the fence, it's a big deal. I think Volk's smart enough to know that. And I think Volk's strong enough and good enough, he's not going to get underhooked and pushed into the fence like everybody else does. I think that. I also think Volk on his feet is a handful. I remember when Freddie Roach said he wasn't sure who the greatest boxer in MMA was, but he had it narrowed down to Dustin Poirier, Max Holloway, and Conor McGregor. It's a big compliment. Because Max Holloway could not trade with Volk. That's how good Volk was. Great boxing minds in the world put Max as possibly the best striker we had Turned out Max wasn't even close to Volk. I think Volk can win some minutes on his feet. I won't admit that he's a fish out of water on the ground. You know what? I'm out. I'm out. I'm changing. My official prediction, Volkanovsky shoves it up all your asses. All right, guys. That's it for today's episode. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoy the fights tomorrow night. I also hope that you come back on Sunday for my special UFC 284 reaction show, which you can listen to on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts. Until then, my name is Chael Sonnen, and you, what we call you, you're welcome.